You're listening to Brooke. We bring you stories about what happens at the intersection of poverty and health. I'm Joanne Goldblum. I've spent my life working with people in poverty, and I'm joined by my friend Colleen Shaddix, a journalist whose beat is social justice. Today, we're going to talk about food insecurity and how proposals in the president's budget would make it much worse. So I think that we can spend some time getting into the weeds Mm -hmm. and talking about how these specific proposals are going to affect people, but maybe we can start out just talking about why is SNAP always on the chopping block? Why is there always some governor who wants a work requirement? You know, we know this is a program that works, the kids are healthier, their test scores are better. Why do we hate food stamps so much? Well, it's interesting, right? And even governors who want um, urine tests to test for drugs, right? Why? why? Mm -hmm. And I think this is what we talk about all the time. There is such judgment um, and stigma associated with needing help, particularly when you are poor. And and honestly, I mean, you and I talk about this all the time. I, I don't know why that is. Yeah, I I have a theory that maybe it is because you want to separate yourself from this person who's had bad fortune, because Mm -hmm. if it's just bad luck, it can happen to you. But if there's something morally wrong with that Mm -hmm. person, then I'm safe, right? I'm I'm not shiftless and lazy, so I'll never be poor. That's that's really interesting. I never thought about it like that. And I think one of the things that make us makes us sort of think about things differently is that you do. I think it's safe to say come to this with a with a religious bend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I don't. Um, so I think that 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 is really interesting because I've always thought it just has so much more to do with. Um, and maybe it's the same thing, just saying it differently. Distaste for anybody who we see as different from ourselves. Um, And yeah, I mean, this whole, you should never have to count on the government. I guess I don't really understand that. We count on the government for so much. Roads and schools and national defense. Fire, uh, mortgage, you know, tax rebates. Yeah. Um, mortgage deductions, wealthy people count on the government for all sorts of things. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. You know, like my, my church has an emergency food pantry. Mm-hmm. I volunteer there. I give money to mm-hmm. it. And we have it because the government response is not yet adequate. Right. But we are, we are giving people a few days' mm-hmm. food to get them over the hump. Right. We're not nearly adequate, right. and we are never going to be adequate. Right, right. right. And, and that's, that's exactly the point, I think, that even with SNAP as it is, people struggle. And so, and I guess this brings us to the, to the weeds of, of SNAP, why are we trying to cut it? And some of these cuts are, I mean, they're just crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, the box. Right. Let's start uh, with the box. Yeah. Um, there's a supposition that we can box up mm-hmm. and somehow get to people in need specific boxes of food 
more cheaply than they can just go to a grocery store that already exists and get their own food. Right. So I think there, there are two parts to that. One is we want people to, you know, we're, we're trying to stigmatize them. So we're going back to, you know, you and I both, and you talk about it personally, you know, government cheese, this mm-hmm. idea that we, um, you know, we used to say SNAP benefits could only buy certain things. And we changed that because of a lot of research, and we understand that that is not in anybody's best interest. Um, so, so this idea that we want to say, well, you know, because you need help, you need to use shelf-stable milk. Right, when, when much of the world is lactose intolerant, particularly people of color. Right. And, you know, I buy milk that needs to be refrigerated. Yeah. My kids prefer it. I always go back to this. Why should my kids have refrigerated milk? You know, it's... I mean, not that my kids shouldn't. I don't want to take milk from my kids. That's nice. You're a good mom. You know, thanks. But, you know, how many times have you heard somebody recount what was in the grocery cart of a snap Oh, I saw soda. I saw sugary cereal. Yeah. It's crazy. Do you eat a perfectly healthy diet every day? Um, yes. Don't answer. Um, <laughs> and the other, you know, I, I am harkening back to in my youth, I worked in a soup kitchen for a while. And one day, we got a huge donation of ice cream. Never happened before, never happened again. Mm-hmm. I had bananas that were pretty good. You could cut out the bad spots. Mm-hmm. And I had strawberries. Mm-hmm. And I went to the store and bought whipped cream. We never went to the grocery store, but right. I went to the supermarket and I bought a whipped cream. And I made banana splits that day. Mm-hmm. There were people who were so happy that they started dancing spontaneously. Right. Because they got a treat. Like, that really offends you so much that there's a little joy in somebody's life? Well, also, everybody likes ice cream, yeah. right? Why are we saying that people who are struggling financially, many of whom are working full-time two and three jobs, don't deserve ice cream. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, we need to find ways to make everybody have all of it. You know, we're, we're not ever going to be able to do that. But to say that people don't deserve a choice of food and don't deserve, you know, and and we're talking about the box, but if we go a step further, you know, the box is bad, but some of the other proposals are actually going to stop people from even getting that. Yeah. We're going to cut back on the number of people who get food stamps. Mm -hmm. We're going to cut back on the total dollars, the um, employment requirements. Which is crazy because I think... The thing that's lost, and I think this goes back to one of the other big um, false sort of narratives about SNAP and and all public benefits, is that people getting them don't work. Right. Most people who can work do, and and I think that that we have to recognize that our economy is not sort of structured such that all work 
is seen as valid. I mean, so, you know, the number of people who clean houses and babysit, who don't have a pay stub, who Mm -hmm. can't prove work hours, much low-wage work is not the kind of work that can be validated. Um, You know, day labor, there's all sorts Mm -hmm. of stuff. And the amount of time and effort it takes to verify work. Are we really, as a country, going to say there are people, there are Americans, who don't deserve food? Because that's what it sounds like. I think that that's exactly what we're saying. And then what happens? Well, I mean... (laughs) This really scares me yeah. because much of the nonprofit food infrastructure mm-hmm. we have in this country, the soup kitchens, mm-hmm. the food banks, they were founded during the Reagan administration mm-hmm. when there was a huge cut to food stamps. Right. So we have already mm-hmm. created this huge structure to do what the government fails to do. Right. We can't do that again. There's right. not more capacity. Right, and that's the thing. I, and I think that this is one of the really complicated things when it comes to government programs and talking about cuts. We say, well, you know, nonprofits can do that. They, they can't. I, you yeah. know, I, you know, run a national nonprofit. We do everything we can with what we have. If the government um, gives less, that doesn't mean nonprofits have more. That's correct. And, and, you know, nonprofits don't have a structure to reach everybody. The government does. You know, they're, they're talking about cutting school lunch, school breakfast. You know, even if you take away the horror of saying you're going to cut SNAP benefits across the board, you want to take food from kids, breakfast and lunch at school? Like, again, and I'm sorry I keep saying this, but who are we? Yeah, who are we? Yeah, it is the question. I, I mean, I don't understand anyone saying that a kid in school shouldn't have breakfast or lunch if their parents can't pay for it. Like, what? Mm-hmm. That's not the way a developed nation deals with its citizens. And we know that food insecurity is linked, and hunger is linked to lifetime health issues. And so we're going to complain about people having health issues later? You know, it's interesting. Um, The reason that we have a school lunch program Mm -hmm. is because in World War II, a high percentage of recruits were rejected. Hmm. They they had physical disabilities, and in 40% of those cases, they were traced back to child malnutrition. I didn't know that. Yes. So generals got a school lunch. Generals went to Congress and said, we have to feed our children better as a matter of national readiness. So do you think that part of, you know, you and I talk a lot about policy and do a lot of work around policy. Do you think part of what we need to do is to go back to the Defense Department to get them on board with this? 
That's an interesting question. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, you know, I don't have that much respect for people who are currently running the Defense Department. But certainly there are retired generals who would come out and say, that's, are you crazy? That's really interesting. And, you know, so th- that is interesting to think about right, retired generals and also retired school principals mm-hmm. and, you know, retired doctors. It, you know, if we take may- maybe... Maybe that is a new group that we try to corral to talk about this. I mean, even just, you know, as a mother and a social worker, right, people are cranky when they don't eat. Very cranky. Very cranky. And to expect people to function well, because that's the other thing, when we cut benefits people stop functioning as well. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, they can't do as much. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I don't think anybody would hire me if I hadn't eaten for a day. I'm very cranky. You talked at the beginning about the three things that are happening. One is cutting benefits full stop. Yeah. The second is the boxes. And the third is the work requirements. The third is the work requirements, right. Um, And as you said, most people on SNAP already work. For sure. some people don't work, people who have disabilities, mm-hmm. people who have the full-time care mm-hmm. of a relative with some sort of serious health issues. So uh, the other thing that you do when you create a, a work requirement is you create an administrative barrier. Right. As you said, not everybody can easily prove that they work. We already know that in public programs like SNAP and Medicaid, there's a big problem with people getting kicked off for right. a period of time because their right. paperwork isn't quite right. right. Then they have to try and get together and reapply and reapply and reapply. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly common. This is going to make it more common. Yeah. And I think you know you bring up some really interesting points. One is, of course, verification. You know, I don't think a lot of people who don't either get benefits or work in a system that sees um, what it takes, the amount of paperwork that is necessary to get SNAP is huge. And, and most people would not be able to easily get all of that paperwork together. Yes. You know, and, and so we're asking people who, you know, you have to get down to a, a, a an office or up to an office. You have to get somewhere. You have to get there during the day, 9 mm-hmm. to 5, right? We want people to work, but we also want them to be able to go to appointments during the day. And we know that most low-wage workers don't have paid time off. Yep. So how does that work? The barriers seem to exist for the sake of being barriers. It, it, exactly. Exactly, right, because, yeah, we we know, you know, the other thing I think that we hear all the time is, um, well, you know, there are people, there are people who game the system. Mm-hmm. You know, there are people who game every system. And that's not to forgive people who game SNAP benefits, but that is human nature. There yeah. are going to be, there's going to be a certain percentage in any system like bankers, for example, who game the system. And, you know, why is it that this one population 
is held accountable. When, you know, we haven't stopped banking because we have bank mm-hmm. fraud. We haven't stopped college admissions. Well, one thing that you mentioned to me when we were talking about the getting ready for the podcast is that um, with the boxes that they're talking about all of the savings, but they haven't put in any money for the administrative part of putting together the boxes and distributing the boxes. There is no public document that shows any sort of plan about how it's going to get done. And um, so, you know, as a good capitalist, one would think Mm -hmm. that you would support the existence of supermarkets. Right. Yeah, that that was one thing you said, that, that, that we'll lose jobs in doing this. Millions of jobs. You know, in low-income communities, it is already difficult to attract food stores. Mm -hmm. That's why we have these food deserts where people have really poor nutrition. So rather than have people use their SNAP benefits at the grocery store that already exists and has Mm -hmm. a whole selection of groceries, we're going to create this new bureaucracy to get people food that you know, maybe doesn't work for your high blood pressure or your diabetes or whatever. And Mm -hmm. that's somehow supposed to save money. Right. And it seems as though when you look at it, all it's doing is shaming people. You know, this is uh, an aside to some extent, but we're already not realistic about people Mm -hmm. and what they need when we do SNAP benefits. SNAP is based on something called the Thrifty Food Plan. Right. Which is researchers decided, well, families will need the following items to get through the month, so we're going to structure the benefits so that you have enough to buy these items. Mm-hmm. Well, when you look at the Thrifty Food Plan, it presumes that you spend about three times as much time on food preparation mm-hmm. as the average American house. Mm-hmm. So you've got... Folks who may be working double shifts, Mm -hmm. who don't have great access to convenient grocery stores, Mm -hmm. who probably don't have a food processor and all these nice things that you Mm -hmm. and I have to make our meals more quickly and easily. Mm -hmm. And you want them to spend more time. Right. I spoke with a chef by the name of Dan Gusty, Mm -hmm. who was a world-renowned chef you had to wait years in advance to get a reservation (laughs) in his restaurant literally he's now trying to fix school lunches Hmm. so that they are both nutritious on budget and something kids will actually eat which is a big problem even hungry kids will Mm -hmm. not eat food that doesn't appeal to them um and dan talked a lot about the time burden Mm -hmm. that low-income people face with food preparation let's just listen to him for a minute the thing is, like the problem is the things that are cheap to cook usually require a little more space. Mm-hmm. They require a little more time. So mm-hmm. time and space, forget mm-hmm. about the money, even if someone gave you the money. Mm-hmm. Like we, that's one thing we talk about in schools all the time. It's time and space. Like I haven't mm-hmm. put enough thought into it, I guess, at home. Like how do you tackle this at home? Mm-hmm. But a lot of the ideas I see are like, not really geared to these people who don't have a lot no, of No, they're for me. Yeah. Look, like, it worked great for me. Like, the, right. <laughs> like, there's, like, there's a company out there now, which is funny, which I see this guy, I know this guy, and he's a good guy. This guy's Sam Cass, who's the chef of the White House uh, with the Obamas, and, like, he's on, like, the bo- some board of this this company, and they do, it's all, like, technology-based mm-hmm. solutions for, you know, the cook at home. It's like... <laughs> 
great. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, this on your iPad and this and the other thing. And I'm like, literally this Christmas, this Christmas for gifts, kids were asking for CDs in this town. CDs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like, went to iPads. And yeah. Like, yeah. They're going to do this. And like, what, like, these solutions are not for these people. Yeah. They're not. And I see a lot of talks. I see a lot of stuff. And if the same kind of conversations and attitudes are taken in that world as they are taken in this space, then it's just the same. That uh, at the end of the day, there's a lot of stuff you can say, but what's the actual solution? Yeah. I mean, to me, the real solution, ha- the only solution has to be to figure out how to get people to be able to prepare food in their home very easily and simply. Mm-hmm. And how do they do that for cheap? Mm-hmm. Obviously, all these companies are not the, the solution either. Mm-hmm. The blue aprons, the, that's not the solution. Mm-hmm. That's not cheap enough. Um, but something along these lines of, you know, can can they go to a store that there's a simple recipe that's given to them? And mm-hmm. It's like these are the ingredients and they're subsidized because it's mm-hmm. you're buying. Yeah, I don't know. Again, I haven't put enough thought into it, but it's got to yeah. be something that's like literally so easy. Right. Like we see it here. Like everything we do, every recipe we make has to be thought through so well. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it doesn't work. Yeah. And I just feel like for a lot of these people, like this, that same thought needs to be put into it for them. Like, yeah, because look, they don't have time. They don't have time. Yeah. They don't have the time. They don't have the means. They don't, they don't know. Yeah. And it's not their fault. And it's crazy. It's bullshit to be like, oh yeah, they don't like, again, I get very frustrated about it because, you know, like to just like, oh yeah, these kids, these people feed their kids McDonald's. Yeah, of course they do. What else are they supposed to feed their kids? Mm-hmm. Who are you? Like, what? Do you, how did you grow up? That's really interesting, Colleen. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, it it was just a different way of looking at things, and actually, investing the same kind of consideration for people in poverty that mm-hmm. goes to the rest of us. So what can listeners do to stop this horrible thing from happening? Right. So I think the first thing, of course, is to contact your member of Congress to tell them to protect SNAP funding. And you can go into detail when you call your member of Congress, you know, saying, please don't support, um, you know, work requirements. Please don't support these boxes. Are they calling them harvest boxes? Yes. The boxes. Harvest boxes, which will not have actual fresh fruit. Right, of course. Right. They're harvesting flour <laughs> and, and dried corn, but okay. Um, you know, and, and, you know, generally to please protect SNAP funding. What are some of the other things? Well, you know, we talked about the, the real importance of school nutrition mm-hmm. And the quality of school lunches is really all over the place. You can go have lunch at your kid's school. You can say, would I eat this? You can Mm -hmm. see if kids are eating it. Mm -hmm. And if they aren't, you can really talk about how you can support the staff to do a better job. You can make sure that your school is serving breakfast. A lot of schools are serving supper now. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of schools have backpack programs where they send kids home with food for the weekend, recognizing that school is really the only place they're eating. And one thing that's interesting about that is that's, that is almost exclusively done through the food bank program, right? So that is generally a Feeding America food bank program. And so we have to look at that. That's 
already happening, and that's happening through, um, you know, food banking. Right. So asking for it to happen more, asking mm-hmm. more kids to be dependent upon that, that's not realistic. Right. And and I think one of the other things that people can do, you know, recently in the media, there's been a lot of attention um, focused on school lunch shame, you know, payment mm-hmm. shaming and, and people not being able to pay back their debt and therefore their children not being fed or being fed substandard foods. Um, you know, you can find out what your school system's policies are on that. And if, in fact, they do require parents to pay or kids don't get food or get substandard food, um, you can advocate to change that. There, yeah. there are states and localities that have made you know, administrative and, and um, legislative changes on that. And again, the reason that that happens, why kids are not qualifying for free or reduced price lunch when they really need them, is because of those administrative barriers. I'm, as always, (laughs) nice and depressed after our conversation. (laughs) So we hope we didn't make you depressed. We hope that we made you angry because things don't have to be the way they are. That's right. In much of the world, we managed to take care of people. Mm-hmm. pretty reasonably well. This is the wealthiest nation in human history. We can do it too. Yep, we sure can. So thanks for listening to the very first Broke Podcast. If you have a story about how poverty is affecting you, we'd love to hear from you. You can send us an email at AmericanBroke at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 203 508 and we may play it on a future episode. Thanks, Joanne. Thanks, Colleen.